2: That's join midi. dot com. sequence. <laughs> now
3: coming to you live from Houston, Texas, home to the world's largest medical center. Any approach phase. Everything looking good. Trim all out. Hang out here. It's going good. Five, Roger, three, two, one. Okay. This is Your Health First, the most beneficial health program on radio with Dr. Joe Galati. During the next hour, you'll learn about health, wellness, and the prevention of disease. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joe Galati. Welcome to the program tonight. Thanks very much for tuning in. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. The name of the program is your health first. Plain and simple, that is what we are here for, to put your health first. We don't want to put it second, don't want to put it third. We want to make your health and wellness a priority by putting it at the top of the things you are thinking about. And it's not just your health, it is the health of your family, the health of your children, the ones you love, your friends. So it is our mission to put your health first. Our website, drjoegalati.com. Most important thing, sign up for our newsletter. When you go to drjoegalati.com, there is a newsletter tab to subscribe. Fill out the information. We'll send you some free info as soon as you sign up, but we really want you to go to drjoegalati.com. All right, on the program tonight, coming up in Just a few minutes is Anthony Santos. He is a nurse practitioner that I have known for, oh, I think it was 2001 when we first met, but he now is working in our practice, Liver Specialist of Texas, taking care of our patients with all facets of liver disease and fatty liver, and Anthony has a background in diabetes management, and so with all of the discussion of fatty liver and something called metabolic syndrome and obesity and and high blood pressure. Anthony is an excellent expert to come on and give his perspective of what he's seeing with our patients and all of you. The other person uh, a little later on this evening, somebody new to the program, Dr. Brianna Costello. She is a cardiologist over at Texas Heart Institute, the famous Texas Heart Institute. She is a cardiologist and she has a keen interest in metabolic syndrome and fatty liver and the connection that we have with our patients and her heart disease patients. To get more information about Dr. Brianna Costello, go to texasheartmedical.org. All right, so in the first uh, uh, segment here, I wanted to bring up real briefly the shootings that have taken place Uh, around the country. And of course, Uvalde, everybody's heart goes out to it. And there is the immediate, the immediate knee-jerk reaction, take the guns off the streets. It is the guns. Well, I would say it is not the guns necessarily. It is a mental health crisis. It is not a gun crisis. When you look at these deranged, sick individuals that are Are carrying out these heinous acts against all of us, our children, our parents, our communities, the teachers, innocent bystanders. The one thing that we have in common that they have in common is there is significant mental health disease, and it is not going to go away until we address the mental health issues. Now, from a practitioner, from a physician's standpoint, Getting a patient, if you want to call it a regular patient, in to see a psychiatrist, you almost need an act of Congress. The availability of psychiatric services is limited. One of the reasons is that insurance companies do not go out of their way to cover mental health disorders. If you want all kinds of other disease management, your blood pressure, your arthritis, your migraines, sure, you could see doctors left and right. But if you have a mild or serious mental health issue, it is nearly impossible to get care for the patient. And that is the root of the problem. We're going to take a break right now. I know it is very short. We'll catch up with this at the end of the program. But... uh, think about it. It is a mental health problem. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Go to drjoegalati.com. Thanks for tuning into Your Health First tonight. Anthony Santos will be up in a second. Stay tuned. welcome back, everybody. Dr. Joe Galati. Don't forget, go to drjoegalati.com and sign up for our newsletter. Be part of the conversation. But you have to go to drjoegalati.com. Find out about our practice, which is Liver Specialists of Texas. There is the link there and all that we do with our liver and digestive patients. And so in the studio tonight, as promised, Anthony Santos, one of our nurse practitioners at our practice. Anthony's been on in the past and there's never enough discussion of what we see with our patients with regard to fatty liver. So Anthony, thanks for coming in tonight. But my, the main thing for you to share with everybody tonight is we see patients that are obese. They have pre-diabetes or actually type two diabetes. They have high blood pressure or hypertension, elevated cholesterol and, and triglycerides. This, collectively we call this metabolic syndrome, but how would you comment on the public's understanding of all of this, the patients that you see? What's your take on this?
1: First of all, Dr. gladi thanks for having me on the show. Always nice to come back. Uh, to your question, and as you know, we are now stretching our um, scope down in the valley reason being as a collective um, uh, disease state of metabolic syndrome not only does the public minimize the effects when these are individually or collectively controlled but i would say also some of the clinicians undermine the um the sheer um you know effects of these as it relates to the liver fatty liver then develops to the cirrhosis
3: but very true very true and I, and i think that there is a i don't know if the word is dumbing down or ignoring this but the one thing that you've heard me say at least 10,000 times is when we see patients and they say oh i have just a touch of diabetes or a touch of my cholesterol, we're going to watch it. And I tell everybody, both my patients, our team, and for all of you on the radio, if anybody tells you the plan is to watch something, beware. Right, so
1: many of our patients, Doc, and I don't know how many times they are, oh my gosh, how come they didn't tell me sooner? How come we didn't look at this through an imaging study? And now we're seeing them either at a moderate or a advanced degree yeah. liver fibrosis. And unfortunately, many times, um, the degree of scarring is erotic, and we can't turn that back.
3: Yeah. We, you know, patients will come thinking, oh, okay, I'll go. I have a fatty liver or my liver enzymes are up, and, and I'll get it checked out, and we'll, you know, we'll we'll do something. And then, like you said, it is an absolute shock that we have to be the bearer of bad news to say, no, this is either you already have cirrhosis or the the treatment is really having to talk about a liver transplant. And that is, it is sad, Anthony. It is absolutely sad. Yeah, in many cases, the reason why
1: I believe uh, it's not being looked at harder is that, you know, while these conditions are brewing, perhaps being managed, or maybe even having them for a while, having fatty liver disease does not have any symptoms. I mean, you're not feeling pain. Um, Unfortunately, again, once we see them, it's a little bit more advanced.
3: You know, what we would love to see, I know you would love to see this, when we, patients either come to us with a data set of liver chemistries, blood work, their blood glucose, like you said, ultrasound or CAT scan that shows something wrong with the liver. And we, I would say where we excel in taking care of our patients is educating them and giving them a sense of putting it all into perspective. And, and again, for everybody listening tonight, these are the things that you need to expect from your care team, putting it into perspective and and really without candy coating it. But wouldn't it be great if the general public responded by saying, oh my gosh, this needs to be addressed. Anthony, what can I do to take, the, take care of this because I don't want to go down the path of cirrhosis or liver transplant or liver cancer or while we're speaking of diabetes and obesity, heart disease. Most of these people are going to die from heart disease. Failure. So, what is that sense that that the response is it a is it a blank stare to say I am absolutely overwhelmed? I had no idea this was going to happen, or hey, give me all the tools I need. Let's do it.
1: I think the beauty of our practice is that we are able to um, separate uh, the things that they need, not only perhaps from a medical perspective as you know, even perhaps Lauren, involving Lauren. Lauren's been in your show, yeah. Talking about either getting them weight reduced, getting their BMI to goal. Um, in addition to working with their primary care disease, I think is the best way to attack this on a multidisciplinary level. And um, you know, I think we could provide that service um, to then get them to goal, either reversing fatty liver or reducing symptoms. What?
3: Now, you're a a people watcher. You're very intuitive, wouldn't you say that? Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Why is there a disconnect with they go to their primary care, they go to their OBGYN, they go to their family physician, and they do not have this reaction or sense that, man, if I don't do anything, something bad's going to happen. So at the emotional, psychological level, why isn't there this, this? why is there a disconnect? Let's say that. Now, I want to come
1: at this from a clinician side. I still think that fatty liver disease is not respected at all uh, as far yeah. as, um, you know, it is a disease and you have to treat it as such and be proactive, similar to, blood pressure, lipids that may need medication. So I know you and I have been trying to go out and educate the clinicians, NPs, PAs, MDs alike to say, look, these are the risk factors. Let's start early.
3: And then we go from there. Do you you think because patients that have these various liver issues don't have pain, do you think people generally realize and they say, if it hurts, it must be bad. I need to get it taken care of. But if it's If it doesn't hurt, what the
1: hell? Leave it alone. Absolutely. And, you know, in addition to the absence of symptoms or absence of pain, again, more education needs to be focused on even just plain old good old cirrhosis. Our patients are surprised. What? I don't even drink. Right.
3: Yeah. I mean, that is, uh, you know, coming to us and say you've or along the same lines. Hey, Bob, you have hepatitis. And they say, I'm not a drug addict. I'm not sleeping around. I'm not a streetless guy or a homeless guy. How could I have hepatitis? How dare you say that? It has a sort of a dirty connotation to it. But yes, hepatitis, there are some that are virus related and uh, either blood transfusions or who your mother was, where they, you know, where your background is, you could have these viral hepatitis issues. But the vast majority of hepatitis that we see are non-viral hepatitis. And it's just inflammation of the liver telling us that there's something wrong. Right. And um,
1: again, what we are trying to uh, promote is healthy eating, getting BMI to goal. Interestingly enough, the liver tattles on you when you're out of BMI range, when you're eating horrible, whether it's right, liver right. enzymes and certainly behavior change. Without medication, didn't get them to normal liver enzymes, making the patients feel better. Oh my God, how come I wasn't told the importance of this sooner?
3: Do you think the average 50-year-old man or woman is in denial?
1: Absolutely. Why? Absolutely. Again, I think we've discussed this from a collection of absence of symptoms, from the reassurance of their clinician to say, hey, let's just watch it. Uh, and lack of um, education, I think, altogether leads them to to sort of then wonder why their disease is so advanced by the time they walk in our door.
3: Yeah. Where do you think we can begin? Now, again, you and I, rest of our team, we're dealing with people one-on-one. We have a patient come in. We have an encounter with their family. It's one-on-one. But on the broader scope of radio, social media, we go out and speak to the public. Where do you think we can begin to impact a change?
1: I think liver disease, fatty liver conditions, cirrhosis uh, needs to be to the masses. It starts with educating not only clinicians, but getting to the public on a a level where perhaps terms they can understand. um, Perhaps discuss these other conditions, as you have said, obesity, pre-diabetes, hypertension, to affect not only those separate entities, but the liver itself. I think right. we have to really education is the key.
3: Yeah. And you you know, we we fight every day in that the liver is not really as sexy or as popular as a lot of other Diseases. We we don't have a big, um, even though every year we have hepatitis awareness month or uh, you know transplant awareness month those type of things. All of these liver entities are sort of like oh do we really want to participate in that versus breast cancer awareness, the American Heart Association, the Lung Association. Uh, Restless leg syndrome month gets more attention, I think. But we have to elevate the public's understanding and awareness that this is not a disease or condition of the downtrodden of the people that um, uh, have a nefarious life. We see every day men and women, young couples, older people, retirees that have been successful, that are in a major way, serious liver disease.
1: And Doc, we appreciate your advocacy of the liver condition, liver disease. I know you've been very vocal and very public and uh, in collaborating also with other clinicians, cardiologists down in the Valley. I know you've had many specialists in numerous therapy area and I think what's at the forefront and now companies, um, pharmaceuticals are listening. You know, with the fatty liver studies, with the fatty liver pharmaceuticals that are upcoming, slowly but surely, I believe this condition is getting up there, but it certainly takes
3: us to continue to be advocates. Absolutely. All right. So, Anthony, you and I have been on call this weekend yet. You uh, truck your uh, butt up to the uh, studio tonight, so go home and. We start again tomorrow at 8 o'clock.
1: Thanks for having me.
3: All right. All right. Uh, coming up, we are going to be graced with a cardiologist from the Texas Heart Institute. Continue, really, I, I didn't really plan on it to be this way this weekend, but we're going to be continuing to get some input from a cardiologist. What's the cardiologist's point of view on obesity and diabetes and high blood pressure. So stay tuned. Don't forget, go to drjoegalati.com Stay tuned. We will be right back. Everybody, thank you very much for tuning in on this wonderful Sunday evening. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Don't forget our website, drjoegalati.com. Most importantly, sign up for our newsletter, follow along everything we do. All of our social media is posted there, but you have to go to the website, drjoegalati.com. Now, to follow up on the conversation we just had with Anthony Santos talking about fatty liver. And all of the challenges we feel. It is a real treat. Dr. Brianna Costello from Texas Heart Institute. We've had Dr. Rogers on from the Texas Heart Institute a few times in the last several months. But Dr. Costello has, I and I may be speaking for you, has taken interest in this whole fatty liver disease. Uh, condition that we're seeing. But as a cardiologist, first of all, Dr. Costello, welcome to the program tonight. And I appreciate you taking uh, a little bit of time on a, on a Sunday evening to come on and share with us.
0: Oh, yes, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be able to uh, be this is my premier <laughs> um, episode joining you tonight. Um, you know, I am so happy that you uh, invited me to talk about kind of the metabolic syndrome and kind right. of fatty liver link that we. So often, I think, as cardiologists, we uh, overlook because we're so busy looking at blood pressure or your cholesterol numbers or, you know, your medication refills, which sounds silly. But as a whole picture and a whole patient, I find it very important during my visits. And I'm lucky that we, we end up actually spending a little more time than maybe some patients with their cardiologists, But talking about just this, the metabolic Changes that patients have as they age, which greatly affect their cardiovascular outcome.
3: You know, and you know I yeah, and, and and I think for everybody tuning in tonight, that the key things are it is obesity, especially that belly fat, that truncal obesity as we like to call it. It is being pre-diabetic or actually having type 2 diabetes, the high blood pressure you mentioned, and then the elevated cholesterol or triglycerides, these blood fats. From a cardiologist standpoint, how significant is it if a patient has all of these different components?
0: Oh, you know, Joe, it's huge. And there was a study back, it's a little bit dated now, back I think in 2005 in circulation, which is, you know, our big journal, much like you guys have your big the journals. This is our big one. And if you have two of those, you know, maybe five risk factors or, you know, uh, the lipids or the central obesity or the blood pressure, two out of three of those, one portended poor outcomes in regards to heart disease, including heart attacks or vascular disease. And I mean, pretend you're increased risk of diabetes, which as cardiologists, it's crazy how much more. We are paying attention to diabetes because a lot of our heart medications are actually diabetes medications. Right just shows you how intimately related those two diseases are. So we're very interested. We are very excited that we're kind of targeting um, the metabolic components of heart disease, and we need to, I think, um, all get a little more comfortable in using these diabetic medications for our cardiovascular patients, our heart patients. So yes, Joe, it's huge in the uh, cardiovascular world.
3: Now, the one thing that I have uh, been noted to say is that many times patients will come to see me, and I will say, look, according to your records, your blood pressure has been abnormal every recording that I have in your old records, and your blood sugar has been elevated on all of your old lab work. And they look at me and they say, well, Dr. Galati, I was told... I have a touch of high blood pressure, a touch oh, yeah. of diabetes. Oh, yeah, so. <laughs> and and uh, respectfully, I don't laugh at them. I don't know if I should cry. But from your standpoint, the negative impact of having a certain sense that, yeah, my blood pressure is up, but it's just a touch. The doctor hasn't put me on medicine. So thus... It really can't be that bad. That
0: bad. Exactly. As, as a
3: cardiologist, either your head is spinning. I know you're not giving up, but it is oh, frustrating. No. Tell me.
0: It is. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, I generally, just a disclaimer, my patients all get a hemoglobin A1C. Because for me, when I'm meeting them, my whole goal is what is your risk? Because a lot of patients come in for primary prevention, meaning they want to be heart healthy, and they're trying to figure out what can I what can I fix? Well, for me, a huge part of that touch of high blood pressure is I don't call it a touch of high blood pressure. And and patients are confused. Yes. Because for many years, the blood pressure, quote unquote, cutoff was 140 over 80. And guess what? We know that's just not true. That's too high. There is multiple studies over and over that tell us that 120 over 80 or or lower is normal. So I tell patients, do you feel like you should be a normal person? And the answer is yes. Well, then your blood pressure is too high. And the beautiful thing about cardiology for blood pressure is we can fix it. And I tell patients, it's not only meds. Of course, it's losing the extra fat in their stomach. It's getting more active. But it's fixable. And medications, of course, yes, um, play a a part in most of those patients' management long-term. But, you know, the blood pressure is fixable. And the A1C that I checked, Joe, I cannot tell you guys and the listeners, you know, an A1C, it changes your game. If you are identified as prediabetes or you're in the range of prediabetes, many patients, I'd say, you know, maybe 50% of the patients that I get an A1C that's elevated on, meaning prediabetes, they have no clue. and perhaps their primary doc or perhaps one of their providers in the past has mentioned it, but they don't understand what it means. Right. So for, for us, you know, in the, in the patty liver disease and the pre diabetic uh, cardiology office, you know, it's important to address this with them and just say, just because it doesn't mean you're, diabe- you're diabetes now, it means you're on that road. And many and most of those patients have some of those metabolic synd- uh, syndrome character characteristics to go with that elevated A1C. Yeah. So, it's, it's a multidisciplinary um, approach to cardiovascular disease and liver disease, but it, it has to be done.
3: Now, you know, so so much, and I uh, in, in all the years that I've been doing this, I, I still do my best to be a student of understanding my patients and their families. And there is a prevailing sense that if I do not have pain, if there is not something I could see or feel, it's probably not that bad. And of course... Uh, while I, while I hate to, well, it is true. This idea that high blood pressure is the silent killer. Do you feel that we have patients that operate on? If I don't feel a problem, then it isn't a problem. But that is that oh, is a yeah. grave a grave misunderstanding.
0: It is, and and I, it's unfortunate that. Um, Some patients or people, or you know, they grew up with that thought like, well, I don't, I haven't, I've never needed a doctor, so I'm healthy. Well, the the unfortunate reality is by the time you're 75, especially as a female, but by the time you're age 75, you have a 75% chance of having hypertension or high blood pressure. So I don't care how you feel, the numbers are not in your favor. And unfortunately, our diets and our lifestyles have kind of evolved to, you know, making it much easier for us to tip over from normal blood pressure to high blood pressure from normal sugar and normal insulin, uh, you know, uh, activity to insulin resistance. So um, just because a patient feels healthy, that is a huge, uh, uh, like you said, it's a huge huge misconception, especially with blood pressure, because you don't feel blood pressure. And that's why it's called the silent killer. You know, you don't feel it until it's really a problem.
3: Yeah. Now, I I, uh, am a big proponent of eating at home simple meals rather than eating out. And and from your perspective in cardiology, and I know Texas Heart is doing a lot to educate the public and uh, talking about food and, and and the need for understanding nutrition. Where do you think your patients are coming from with regard to take, it, take out food, processed foods, and them understanding the negative impact? Because it's all about The negative impact and and the patient realizing it. We realize it. We see it. We have perfect 2020 vision, but our poor patients are almost blind to the damage that they're incurring. What's your sense? (laughs)
0: You know, I when I talk about diet with patients, I try not to say diet, right? Because no one wants to hear the word diet. Right? Because the vast majority of patients do and when I ask what is your goal weight? I never say, you know, you know you need to lose 20 pounds. I say, what is your goal weight? You know, everyone has a goal. And I and I ask them how are you going to get there? What are you doing on a day-to-day basis? Are you having a frappuccino every morning? Right. Are you eating lunch at the restaurant next door because you don't have time to pack in the morning? Right. What is it that is is stopping you from living in a way in which you're eating fresh veg- vegetables, fresh fruit, or whatever, even vegetables that are from your freezer? Why are you eating the other stuff that we know is not helping your health and your long-term right. goals? And so it's a real conversation. And and a lot of patients on it, they say, I know. I know what my problems are, but it's just hard for me to actually change them. So a lot of it is talking about what you can do instead of what you're doing. Um, So that's kind of how the patients come to me and say, you know, I I know it's a problem. I haven't decided what I'm going to do to fix it. So we try to do it together.
3: Right. Now, do you find that after a patient has some sort of complication, they have a heart attack, they they require... A stent or open heart surgery, do you find that they get a little bit more with the program after a complication?
0: You know, <laughs> you know Joe, that is such a, at the beginning, I would say it's a, the short answer is everyone's a little different. Most patients are shocked by their heart attack or shocked that they got to where they are in the cath lab getting a stent or in the OR getting surgery. And most of them, right after the event, yes. They're motivated because it's it's really traumatizing to right. have a heart attack or traumatizing to have, you know, bypass surgery. So, yeah, I think at the beginning, many of them are motivated. I think a lot of patients, if you don't stay on them, will, quote, unquote, fall off the wagon.
3: Right. Right. right.
0: Because you haven't changed their home or their people that they're surrounding themselves by, or the culture they grew up in, and the foods right. they eat. So over time, that becomes a little bit challenging for some, but I think it's all about making a change of the lifestyle instead right. of just the, you know, one thing, the smoking or whatever, which is huge. Right. But, you know, it's a lifestyle change for most patients.
3: Absolutely. So in the last minute or so here, and, and for those just tuning in, Pity on you for not hearing the entire interview. Brianna Costello with (laughs) Texas Heart Institute. And by the way, go to her website, Texasheartmedical.org, to find out more about her and her colleagues. Um, If there was one thing, and I know you have at least a dozen things you want to say, but the one intervention, the one change, the one attitude that you could leave our listeners with tonight that's actionable what would you say that would be?
0: Oh, Joe, you're making this hard. One I, thing, i huh? love to
3: make it oh. hard, but you're <laughs> that good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> On, okay, if, from a cardiology perspective, a heart doctor perspective, knowing your numbers. So that's, I'm cheating you a little, Joe, because that's a few things in one. Know your blood pressure. Right. Some people have never checked it, but know your numbers of your cholesterol you know your bmi how much do you need to what is your weight and how much should you weigh so know your numbers that is huge and the american heart association is all about that and i agree you can't fix it if you don't know it's a problem
3: no and i think i think and and we tell that to our liver patients to know your liver chemistry number because if it's yeah. abnormal it's time to come in get put up on the rack and take the tires off and figure out what's Absolutely. going on so all right dr costello with texas heart institute thank you so much and i guarantee we're going to get you on again and continue this conversation
0: i look forward to it joe it's such a pleasure and i hope you all have a good night
3: all right the final segment to this week's your health first is coming up in just a minute don't forget DrJoeGalati.com is our website Sign up for our newsletter, find out what we are doing, past programs, our podcast, all of our social media channels are there, drjoegilati.com. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Right, final segment of tonight's Your Health First. I want to thank Anthony Santos, our awesome nurse practitioner at our Practice Liver Specialist of Texas for coming in tonight. The two of us have been on call this weekend and it's always a bit of a backbreaker to do the radio show while we're on call. Long days, long nights, uh, but we are committed to Come here every week and try to raise your health IQ. We want to make you better consumers of healthcare. And along the lines, a big thank you to Brianna Costello from Texas Heart Institute. Uh, very, very, very important key member of our medical team here in the world-famous Texas Medical Center. Okay, so in the last couple of minutes, we we're talking, I was talking earlier, earlier in the program at the start about the gun violence and the uh, uh, knee-jerk reaction to either confiscate your guns, ban the guns, uh, stop selling bullets, what, whatever the case may be. But that is not the root of the problem. The root of the problem is mental health. Individuals, that decide to embark on this sort of absolutely unacceptable, deranged behavior, the only explanation is that they have a mental disorder. Now, mental illness should be looked at no differently than high blood pressure, arthritis, migraine headaches. It is a chronic disease that needs management. It needs management from a pharmacologic standpoint, getting seen in front of a cardiologist, a psychologist dealing with these mental health issues. They have a disease of the brain, no different than you have a disease of your kidney or you have a disease of your liver. These individuals have a disease of the brain, both from a physiologic standpoint, a biochemical standpoint, a hormonal standpoint, there is disease of the brain. Now, the the challenge is, now we could, we could sit here taking all the guns in the world off the streets is not going to address the problem. The root of the problem is mental, it is mental health. Now the problem that I have and the the gripe that I have is that the specialty of psychiatry the specialty field where individuals go to medical school and then you pick a residency and specialized training and you can uh, 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 decide to become a psychiatrist and you do a psychiatry residency and then you have a career in psychiatry no different than somebody that goes to family practice or pediatrics or or uh rheumatology psychiatry is a medical specialty Now, the insurance companies are not providing, or the companies, employers, are not providing mental health coverage. And so I could tell you firsthand, there are a lot of people that are walking around with untreated mental health disorders. And imagine if we turn the tables to say, we have a lot of people walking around with asthma. Well, get them into their family doctor or their uh, their lung or pulmonary doctors. There are effective medications to treat asthma. Okay, the same is not taking place for psychiatry. For whatever reason, the insurance companies are not covering mental health and psychiatric care, and so as a result, you have all of these. Uh, poor individuals with these chronic mental disorders that are just struggling to figure out how to get how to get through the day, and these mental health issues are certainly in uh, anxiety and depression and schizophrenia, mental um, personality disorders. People are paranoid. They they simply are not properly adjusted to deal with the world as it is and the, st- and the stressors. And so they are, uh, you know, this, this very maladaptive behavior is taking place. And so we have to have a conversation with the mental health experts to get people the care that they need. That is the root of the problem. Just taking away guns is not any good. If somebody stabs you with a knife, do we ban knives? If somebody decides to drive their car into a group of people standing on the corner and create mass chaos, are we going to picket General Motors and stop having them sell Suburbans? So I, th- I, I believe the, the gun issue, it's, it's very visual, it's very violent, and uh, there are those that are against guns, period but we have to be pro mental health. It's a big topic. I believe what we need to do is uh, have more people on the program to talk with you about mental health and psychiatry. All right, I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be here next Sunday evening. Don't forget, go to drjoegulati.com. Have a great evening, a great week with the ones you love. Take care.